And we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. That would make me terrible, Troy. I'm treacherous, Trista. You got a we've got a kitty behind you too. That's <laughs> and we're joined by Melinda Decay here for Women in Horror Month. It's very cool to have you here. Hi. Welcome. Hi. And we've been talking before we went live. It's very nice to meet you. Very pleasant. Very nice meeting you too. Yeah. So Women in Horror Month. Um. How how have uh, you were around before that was even you know a term? Which a lot of people were, but uh, since that's become a term, how do you think things have changed in uh, in movies uh, for women? Well, I think that there have been women in horror films. Oh, for definitely, a long time. but the, the actual term, you know, Women in Horror Month was. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know. I, I I did not do any research. How long have you been having it? I I have. Oh, um. I th- I'm not that long within the last 10 years, oh. I think. No, no, it was um, not, we didn't start it, but yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what, what was your question? I'm sorry. I uh, just, how things have changed uh, for a woman in, uh, in horror movies or film in general. I, um, I believe there's more opportunities uh, in any type of genre uh, for women. Um, uh, diversity finally is coming around to how it's supposed to be. Um, the uh, I believe that women are more empowered now. They can make their own content. They can produce. They can direct. It is still hard for them. Uh, it is still a man's world. But the doors are opening. They're a little creaky. They're creaky and opening. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I would like to see it in 50 years of what women have accomplished you know i'm i'm sure it'll it's it's just the beginning it's just the beginning now um we'll talk to all different movies but are you uh are you a horror movie fan yourself and how did you get into the genre <laughs> um I, yeah i've seen gory movies <laughs> and fine you know they have their place i really prefer psychological type of macabre uh, storylines that actually could be real, uh, spiritual, supernatural. Um, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up a long time ago. I grew up uh, right after McCarthyism and the rise of communism. And in the 50s, there were a lot of science fiction movies, The Blob, um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. I didn't realize it at the time when I was six or seven watching these on television. But when I started to study political science and economics and history, um, they were politicized. These were uh, characters like the blob. That was communism coming to take us over. And if the free world wasn't going to rise up and kill that thing, well, we would be doomed. And so um I I grew up on those. Of course, there was a, uh, a t- one station here in L.A. that that at five o'clock every weekday, they would have films, reruns of old films. Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, uh, The Mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula. I mean, everything. And that's where I f- saw those for the first time. And then when I was old enough, like eight or nine to go to the, the, the movies, um, 
of course, there was the birds, and then that came later. But then uh, came later in the 70s was the exorcist. But I remember one particular film. I can't, it was with Lee, Mar- uh, Lee Remick in it. And um, it was called Experiment in Terror. And I do not like mannequins to this day. <laughs> I, I even in a department store, I, I just, I just don't care for them. So just things that make you unsettling, I think, is what I enjoy. Things that could possibly be real, depending on the situation. I do believe my personal philosophy is that we do have souls. We have been here before, uh, maybe not in these forms, but we have been here before. Um, there are too many accounts of ghost stories. There, there's too many, there's too many uh, nonfiction writings concerning them that, to discount them. You know, uh, so uh, I think we're around for a long time. And I think uh, our loved ones are around us for a long time. And so um, that's, that's, you know, uh, you know, anything, anything Hitchcock or Edgar Allan Poe or uh, there was also, and you, I, I'm pretty sure that you know about this film. Uh, it was with Troughton Heston called Soylent Green. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. A great one. yeah. And um, it really got to me when I saw it because my grandmother raised me. And that that storyline really affected mm. me. Yeah, besides, um, yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah For people yeah. familiar so, with the film. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to give it away because it's a really a good show. It's really a good film. It really is. A little cheesy sometimes, but hey, they were back then. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, that's 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 my my likes. <laughs> but Charlton Heston's in like a lot of great genre yes, films for people yeah. who just yeah. know him yeah. later on. But yeah, yeah he just not, he's not Moses. He's not over yeah. Moses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the Omega Man's great. Yeah. Planet of the Apes, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. I yeah. forgot about this. I also Apes. thought, I, what you said about the, the stuff in the 50s after McCarthyism, I always think it's funny today so many people will say, all these movies today, they're too political or they have these messages, but that's like basically what genre has always been. It's, uh, you know, Star Trek and uh, uh, Twilight Zone, all this stuff was about something yeah. other than, you know, actually yeah. what you, you it's saw. It's sort of like before. allegories, you know, yeah. it's, you know type, and uh, that's, I think, how I like Twilight Zone or Night Gallery. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah, have, that was a great show. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Or even Star Trek. I remember my hus- my late husband. <laughs> okay, we grew up with it. We grew up with Star Trek, the original one. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it had reruns every night at 6.30 for almost 40 years. Yep. I, I, I have never seen so many triples in my life. <laughs> I mean, you know, so they have that longevity that um, it's nostalgic. Um, but that the stories hit home. And if, if a film or a television show does that, they have a long history. They, they, they will survive. So um, when, you, um, when you take a role, what do you look for? What, what interests you? Uh, primarily the writing. 
there are some really bad writers out there. <laughs> um, I, I see myself as a storyteller and interpreting the writer's words. And of course, you know, you have grammar, but then you have grammar that may be in that particular style of the, 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 the story, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm talking about really bad. I mean, misspellings in writing, uh, you know, they don't even, they don't even, you know, spell check, you know, it's just, and so um, that, that's primarily it, uh, that, and um, if I were an audience member, would I not necessarily enjoy uh, the film, but would it, would it make me think? Would I come out of a theater or turn off that television or computer screen? Would, would I, would it, would it last in me? Did it, did it, did it affect me? Um, I, audience members, they take a gamble with what they're going to see. I want them to be vested. That, I think that's our job to make that product, to make those words um, as true, to be in the moment, and you, you have them. You, you, you can actually, you know, it's hard in film, very hard, of course, to know unless you go to the theater and you hear the response. But just to have them be present. Today, we, 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 don't, we do not take the moments as just individuals, to listen, to just shut up and listen. Because I think our world would be such a better place if we did. And that's what I want an audience to get from the work I do. Just that they're affected. Um, and it can be disturbing work. Don't get me wrong. But uh, thought-provoking mm-hmm. also, yeah. Well, I always think uh, if something um, hits you, uh, if you if it has an emotional uh, connection to you, even if it's a negative emotion, that is still something. So, like if you are scared or you're uh, you're startled or you're uh, put off by it, it's still it's still type of uh, type of connection. Very true. Uh, you said you're um, you see yourself as a storyteller. Is that what drew you to acting originally? I'm sorry. Uh, you said you see yourself as a storyteller. Is that what drew you to acting originally? No, uh, actually, I, I started out when I was really, really young as singing in choirs, okay. and choruses, and what have you. And I was going to actually be an accountant. And my first year of college, I took an elective, uh, Theater 101. Um, I was at the theater at least 18 hours a day, practically every day of the week. Uh, I have more incompletes at that college than I could really want to say. I never got my degree, but that's, that's what started me on the journey. Um, And so uh, uh, of course it started in theater. And then while living in Houston, um, there was some film involved, uh, some commercials, not much television at the time. That's why I came out here after my husband passed, I decided, well, I'm coming back home and um, I, I can, I, I can get into that group. I can, I can go in because I was missing about a third of the industry, but then come to find out um, the whole 
landscape of television changed over the past seven years, eight, seven years. And it used to be, or at least in, in my uh, opinion, was that someone like me, not necessarily as old as I am, but someone like me who didn't have much television skills, um, you would enter television first and then you'd wake, uh, work your way up to film. Well, now it's done a 180 that your A-listers, which are wonderful, you know, the wonderful A-list performers, they are now doing, they're coming down from film into television because the writing is so wonderful. You know, it's just, it, it's the writing and the money going toward it as far as production costs and values. And so, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't, um, <laughs> crashed through that door yet um so i you know i i have faith that i will someday but uh i'll, I'll stick with my indie indie films and my immersive theater <laughs> that i do yeah. i remember when uh Kiefer sutherland started doing 24 and that was kind of when it really yeah. started where you know uh named after started and he said the same thing it was because the writing was better yeah mm. And then his dad, oh, yeah, he, was, he started to come into film, too, I mean, into television. Yeah. Uh, Trust, do you have a question? I do. Melinda, you said that mannequins make you uneasy. <laughs> but um, I'm always curious about uh, what scares horror uh, creators. So do you have any other fears or phobias that you feel comfortable sharing with us? I really... Um, I'm scared of heights, but I'm not fearful of them. Um, I remember uh, we were in San Antonio at the Needle. It's like the Seattle Needle, you know, when you have a restaurant up there. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't take it. Um, uh, so it, it just, but I remember in high school, my high school here in Alhambra, uh, they they had just built a new campus or a portion of the campus, and it was two stories. And the the walkways to the second story were outside. Of course, it had a, a, a barrier so you wouldn't fall over, you know, off. But I would walk beside the building. I wouldn't walk at the edge of the walkway. So I, I think that that is... Uh, Phobia, I think that's it. Now, I do have a fear, not a fear, concern more than anything, um, that my brain goes. You know, um, I'm at that age that uh, it hasn't started yet, but, you know, I try to keep it active uh, because it could. You know, I'm a realist. So, but actually anything as far as, um, but, you know, that could be a, that that storyline of dementia, you know the what was the film that Hopkins did? God, the father, a couple of years ago or so with uh, uh, Olivia Coleman. I think it was yeah. Olivia Coleman. Really good movie. Oh, it was it was him. I don't want to give it away for people who haven't seen it, but but I will. Um, being inside him and what he was going through. I felt that that was a horrific, horrific movie from his point of view. Oh, yeah. So anything could be horrible. Anything could be a horror. Depends upon who it's affecting 
and uh, you know what it is, you know. So, um, uh, but really, no, I'm I'm not really scared of anything. Uh, if I hear anything bump in the night, I roll <laughs> over and go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when you did bring up mannequins, and then uh, right after that, you said about uh, you believe everyone has a soul. I was wondering if there's any connection there, because the mannequin is, you know, it's in the shape of a human, but it's featureless. If there's a, you know, almost like it's a soulless uh, entity, maybe that's why. And it's they all awesome. usually look alike. Right. You know? Whereas dolls, they, you know, they somewhat are different. But um, no, I don't. I, it's. That is strictly, it wasn't having the, the mannequins, you know, and, and this is coming from like a seven or eight year old. That's how old I was because we got to go to the movies. There was no uh, rating systems. We got to, for 25 cents. We taught, saw two features every set. And so um, uh, we really didn't have any guidance in what we saw, but I think it was the fact of how these mannequins were presented in this film more than anything and the shadows. And it was a black and white film. It was just um, creepy. And it, like I said, it stayed with me. It has stayed with me all these years. Um, A couple of years ago, I had a Barry J on the show. And um, so I actually listened to the interview uh, when I knew you were coming on. Uh-huh. Uh, for uh, the movie Ashes, which I really liked at the time, uh, and I still like it. So how did you get involved in Ashes? I auditioned. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, I had, at that point, I submitted myself, I think, for it. And uh, I, ca- I was called in, and um, this was over at Carl's house, the auditions were. And uh, we were in the dining room, and uh, Barry says, do you know how to laugh uh, 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 like a malevolent, malevolent type of, of scream or laugh? Or I said, yeah, I think I do. I, w- I had just finished JFI Productions of Awake, which is Creep LA. They do a fall show every year. And I had had w- the character that I was, I had to scream like that. So I did my thing. And... Um, they were very happy. And uh, so I got a call back and, and Barry has told me that uh, that uh, that was one of the things that got me the job was that I could scream that way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. no, that was that was a that was a fun, fun. We could use Malevolent Melinda. You can find <laughs> your treacherous Tristan, Terrible Troy. And yeah. That's but, perfect. Uh, yeah. So did you? Did he tell you at the time that he he based that character off his real aunt? Once we got into the table read, yes, yeah. And in the script, um, it was uh, quite apparent by the way he chose his words that, in some way, it was real. And of course, when we got into the table read and then really got into talking about the character that came out as far as her, his aunt, um, he was a young teenager pulling pranks on his older aunt. And um, no, he, he, he told us. And I think 
I, I think at the end, I, I can't remember. It's been a couple of years ago since I see the film. I think at the end, at, in the credits, are photographs of his family members, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people, if they stick around for the credits, they will see that this did come. They could possibly, they could probably put two and two together that it comes from a real experience. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was dramatized. Yeah, yeah. Naturally, yeah. But, uh, you know, and heightened yeah. for for humor, but um, but no, that was that was uh, that was my my first foray 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 into um, uh, makeup of that type of. Uh, what was that experience aesthetic. like? Um, not grueling, just long, just long. Um, they. They used an alcohol-based makeup, and so they had to take alcohol to remove it. And, of course, it was sprayed. All, everything was sprayed. And um, then that, that didn't go lightly on my skin, all that alcohol. But, hey, you do it for the job. <laughs> but that got me another job uh, with David Farino. Um, it was called The Fortune Teller. And he had seen my work in immersive theater, and... Uh, he had he had known about this piece and it is the film. It's a short film. It was a um, more of a pitch more than anything for a television episodic. And it's based upon, you know, the the um, the fortune teller, the paper game that kids play with, you know, and you open oh, yeah, up the yeah. paper and stuff. Yeah. And you, yeah well, and you, they, yeah, those are correct. I am the fortune teller. I am at the end, this piece of paper and my head explodes into this, this, like the, the game. Yeah. That was, that took, that took a casting. They had to do a cast of, I guess, down below my shoulders, all over my face and head. And um, that, you know, breathing through straws, you know, uh, that was about four hours. But, you know, I, it was something new. You know, I, I try to wake up every morning. I tell my friends this. I try to wake up every morning thinking I'm going to learn something new that day. It's the only way that you can get through, I guess. And um, it was new. And it was exciting. And uh, uh, I it was a success for, for David. And so, um, you know, it's fun. This, is, this acting is playing. And, um, you know, who, who wouldn't like to act when they're almost 73, you know, and who it wants to play, they want to play. You're still a kid at heart. Most, most old people are. And so, um, but anyway, no, that the, the prosthesis and, and everything. I also did a, uh, it's still running. It's a, an escape room haunt, uh, directed by Jonathan Burke. It's called The Ministries of Peculiarities, Hope, End. And I play the, the matriarch of the family. And there is a, it, it's not a live performance. It's, there was some film shot and uh, it's turn of the century. It's a period piece. And they took a, a, a molding of my face to make a mask or a death mask, I think it is. But um, so I've, I've had fun. It's, it's fun. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, immersive theater, which I know Trista's talked about on the show uh, before, even Bob, before she was one of our hosts here, she talked about it. So for people not aware, uh, what is immersive theater? 
um, in fact, we, that's where Trista and I met. Um, the, it's the fact that you are not in a standard theater. You don't have, you may have a stage, but the guests are surrounding you. It is, it's the next step. When I was younger, there was a, a theater called environmental theater that we did a, a piece with the Jewish Theater Festival in Houston called The Dybbuk. And it's an old Polish film that they made this playoff from. And they took their black box theater and made it into a temple, a Jewish temple, turn of the century temple, 1930s temple. And the audience were the parishioners. I guess that's the right word to call Jewish people in a temple. I don't know. But um, so it's, it's, it's one step further than that. The audience is usually involved with the story. And, you know, everything now, <laughs> we've been doing this, well, see, we met in 2016 with the Tension Experience, Darren Lynn Bozeman's Tension Experience Ascension. And immersive was not used, that word was not used like it is today. Everything's immersive now. It's a, it's a catchphrase. And, um, but... You know, it can go from like, I've not had the opportunity to see it, but Sleep No More by Punch Drunk, who is in, it's at the Kerrick, I think, is the hotel in New York. And of course, it's in Shanghai and London. And they take over four floors of a hotel. Now, the audience goes through and traverses the rooms, but they don't have, and they're in masks, from what I understand, but they don't converse with the actors. They, they observe what's happening. Well, the immersive theater that has started to take place here in L.A. is it, that that wall has even come down. There's there's no more fourth wall at all. Um, with with the tension experience, we had like a 50, maybe 60 page script. And by the time it was all over, it turned into a 600 page script because of things changing because of of interactions with the guests if guests because the guests could speak they could they could they could talk to the actors um and then i got involved because of uh of uh, tension uh, with jfi productions the willows and i was cast as the matriarch rosemary willows and we had uh we've had three seasons of that and that is that 18 guests come to this 10,000 square foot house and they celebrate the life of my deceased son. And it is cocktails, as many cocktails as you want, dinner, two and a half hours of a performance and, and, and project. You know, I don't want to say a performance because the, the guests are there and they, you know, I might ask them what they do for a living and they tell me and I have, you know, you have to go with it. Or they may ask you a question just out of the blue. And then that had, I want to say, like 15 tracks. They had uh, Justin uh, Fix and uh, Fiona Renee. Um, and I think Daniel, too, and Stephanie. They, they had an, uh, an Excel spreadsheet, worksheet. And they had all these tracks. And based upon what seat you sat in, you would go to these particular rooms with these cast members and you would find out pieces of the story. We had people coming back seven, eight times. 
And it's not that sounds cheap. amazing. It's not cheap either. But they want and they would be put on a different track so they could find out more of the storyline. And um, so you have that. And then uh, a couple of years ago for one of JFI's Creep L.A. productions called um, House of Creep, it was an art gallery. And uh, that was what the terminology is called a sandbox type of of performance that, yeah, we have the cast has their basic thing that they go through, but the audience can go anywhere they want. There are no tracks. And so it's what I have. I've always I shouldn't say this because I, I have so many, you know, fond memories of theater, but I always love film because you can be small, you can be intimate, you don't have to uh, have your voice thrown to the back of the house, as in theater. But immersive theater can be the combination of both. You are so intimate with people, you have what's called one-on-ones, like, you know, like if, if you, Neil, the, you know, I were just talking, we, we would be by ourselves or with other people around, but just talking, you know. And um, uh, I think I, I told you earlier that I'm currently involved with uh, JFI's production of Night Fever, which is a take on uh, Studio 54 in 1970s. And uh, that is, there's a script there, but that is open. It's at the Creek Three Clubs here in L.A. And um, there is the bar and then they've got the disco area. And uh, there's these characters and there's these dancers and people who work at the club, but the audience can go around and they can dance, they can have a drink, they can converse with any of the actors. Or it's it's it has kept me fresh. When you have some stranger asking you a question, you have to know your backstory though. Um, and all like in the Willows, all of the actors had to know all the same information as far as where they came from as a family. Because what we, what we would find is that guests would come back a second or third time and go to another family member and ask them questions to see if our answers would jive. And so you, it really keeps you fresh, you know, uh, memorizing my lines now over the past four or five years have been a breeze. It, it really is a, um, uh, a technique or, or, or training as far as improvisation. It, it, you know, it's, uh, you really have to think on your feet. You really do. And I think that's why I enjoy it. Yeah. Now, where could people look that up if they were interested in, in attending? Um, it's JFI Productions, and you go to their shows, and it's they. I believe that they're running for another couple of weeks. They probably will extend. I don't know. I don't I have no idea. But um, you just go to their website, and you can buy tickets. Uh, Andrew in the chat here. He wants to know: uh, Do you have any interesting stories with D. Wallace on set? Well, um, no. I, I I met her, and. Um, she was doing a scene in the same location that I was, but we never had the, the opportunity to actually uh, work together. She was lovely and a pleasure to, to meet, 
but um, no, we, we didn't have any scenes together. We had a lot of scenes that were referencing each other, but nothing directly. Uh, Trista, you have a question? Do you have any advice for aspiring actors? Oh, boy. Um, first, be on time or early to your call. Know your lines. Uh, be professional. And listen to who's talking to you. If it is a cast member, if it is a crew member, if it is your director, writer. But primarily, as far as cast members and when you're doing a scene, um, you, ha you, you have to listen or you won't be believable. You just can't do rote lines. You know, it, it just won't. Um, I, think, I think those are maybe, maybe one other thing, that unless you're the director, don't give notes to other actors. Because that that could really get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all, you know, it always gets back to the director and writer. And they usually don't like to have people like that on set. Mm -mm. As in notes, do you mean like uh, advice? Like yes, uh, advice of how they're supposed to be doing their scene or that. Right, type. right. Yeah, you just don't do that. You know, you just, that's what the director or writer, you know. Uh, now, right. unless, unless you have been given permission or asked to do that, that's fine. But you just don't give your opinion. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I could see how that would also, uh, could be rude, even if you, yeah. well-meaning, you know. You, yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, mannequins, and you did the movie Dolls. So how, what's the, what is the difference between the mannequin? You said you know the dolls they they're all different and stuff. But uh, I personally, as a, I've always found toys kind of scary in movies, and I'm not really scared of anything. But well, I I, I don't think children are fearful of toys. I think it is probably uh, adults having seen films that have toys in them and that they have, you know, I, I, it's really odd for me to even hear people being afraid of clowns. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't get it. I, you know, um, now if they were a creepy clown, like an it or, you know, that type of a thing, but normally when we would go to the circuses, there was no creepy clowns. They were all there to make us laugh and slapstick and everything. Uh, as far as dolls, um, it may be because, like what we were talking about earlier, about the mannequins and having souls and what have you, it might be because not many dolls talk. And you have to, as the owner, put words into their mouths, you know, be the ventriloquist sort of. And I guess possibly, you know, they, they could be a, um, a portal or a vessel for demonic um, possessions. Um, and so people are fearful of them. Um, but, you know, your telephone can be a, a, a have, have a possession. You know, it, it, anything could be, you know, if, if that were the case, you know, it's not, not just dolls. Um, you know, a piece of paper can have be possessed, you know, a book. 
you know, that, of course, with the storylines that it's gone through ages and it's through antiquity and what have you. But um, I don't I really don't understand people being scared of dolls. You know, know, there have been a lot of, you know, Chucky and all those little sweethearts. Uh, And and, uh, who is Annabelle? Not Annabelle. Is that the country? Annabelle? Okay. And so, uh, but uh, I think that um, it might be our own um, shortcomings that we put that into that particular thing because we won't, don't want to deal with it ourselves internally, maybe. I don't know. I'm getting too philosophical. So. <laughs> 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 I always thought the the uh, the, the dummy in um, Anthony Hopkins magic. Yes, 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 yes. But I think that that was driven by the by him. That was the, that was that was. It's his. a very short trailer. It's like twenty seconds, but I always find it very very unsettling. Yeah. He says a little poem, and at the end, he just goes, "And you're dead." <laughs> it used to scare me as a child. Yeah, and my older to terrify bro- Neil. Yeah, my older brother then would tease me with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up with Charlie McCarthy. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know they were they were not weird. They were funny. Uh, they were hayseeds. I guess I don't even know if that word is around anymore. <laughs> but um, but- you should bring it back. Okay. <laughs> but it was just funny. You know, we'd see them on the Ed Sullivan show, and then you had. Um, what is the French gentleman who had the, the talking? He'd open up the, oh, the book. Senior uh, Winston. Yes, yes, yep, yes, yes. Yep. And that it's was, okay, that Saturday. Was, it's okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it depends upon how your outlook is. I think. Yeah. You know, that I'm. I'm usually a happy person, so I don't. Think yeah. So you've alluded to you know ghost possessions a few times. Um, have you done anything like that? Any uh, any like um, ghost hunting or uh, any experience? A television on it. Uh, it interests me. Um, not the cheesy ones. The ones that are really. Um, there there are some that are just just I don't know. They're in it to be on television, but um, you know though. There is something out there. There is another. There is another uh, realm. Uh, there is, or plural realms. Uh, we cannot. I, I can't fathom that we are the only people here in this universe. First of all, okay, that's sci-fi. But still, there, there are other souls. The, the, we. I have to believe our souls go to the Almighty. And we are here with each other. And um, it, I find it interesting to uh, just to listen to people's experiences, how they deal with it. Maybe that's, you know, I've, I've listened to so much of it. I've, I've gotten from it um, that it depends upon how you interpret things of how you can live with something. Uh, if you can live with a poltergeist or if you can live with a ghost in your home. Now, if they are destructive or if they are violent or vile, that's completely different. Uh, you know, you, you don't have any choice in that matter. You may have. It may be because of your personality that they're acting that way. Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. So, um, no, I, uh, I want to believe that there's something else. I want to believe that there's something else. We're just not static. 
Have you had any experiences? No. Well, I don't know if it was an experience or not. Um, over, my husband passed away in 2007. And uh, his stepdaughter, she lives in Las Vegas. And when he passed, he, she, had, she had come to Houston to be with him in her last days. And she had to go home. And uh, I believe it was at this time that he came to her. It wasn't personal, but she told me about this. He came to her and stood by her bed one night. And they had been estranged for some time. And he says, everything's going to be okay. And it was sort of like, she told me it was like this uh, weight was removed from her. And she knew she wasn't dreaming. She's a professional woman. She's not, you know, she doesn't have any uh, delusions or anything like that. And so um, I have felt, and I think a lot of people who lose their loved ones uh, feel that there is a certain, you know, if you, if you hear a piece of music that was dear to the two of you, they're with you. That's a, that's a way to, to uh, be connected again. And I, I've experienced that. I have not experienced anything like she did or anything that I've read or seen. So, but I know he's with me. <laughs> uh, Trista, do you have another question? What do you attribute uh, to your, uh, what's the secret of your longevity, Melinda? Because it's a fickle business, but you work all the time, and I want to know how. God bless you. <laughs> you know, God willing. Um, you just, you have to be flexible. Um, and that's not just in this industry. It's in any industry, because uh, especially since the Industrial Revolution, things have have developed so quickly in technology from the 50s. And I am a firm believer that there was some, some information on that flying saucer that landed in New Mexico that we have utilized. I am, and, and I'm not a, a UFO quirky person, but things have increased and the technology has, has just reproduced to such a great extent that you have to change or you'll, you'll be, you'll be not dead, but you, you, it, it'll pass you by. It'll pass you by. Um, back in the nineties, when computers were coming out, um, my husband was with a, he was an engineer and he was with an oil company and um, he brought home this suitcase, had a phone in it, and you put that phone into your phone your home phone, and he could get the computers that are at the office on, on, on this particular machine. And our son was, oh, I guess about eight or nine at the time. And we started talking. I said, you know, this, this is going to be the future. This is going to be, this is, this is happening. And so we, we took the expense of getting a computer. I think it was a compact it was, you know, back in 95. And um, my daughter, 
who was in high school at the time, she started to take computer science. And um, she, she guided me through that. And I'm so glad. I, I don't know. Look at the phones that we have now. It's Star Trek. You know, it's, it, <laughs> we can't beam ourselves up anywhere, but almost. But you have to keep up with the times or you're going to be, you're going to be left behind, you know. And fortunately, uh, I don't think that my career was being stalled six or seven years ago. But, okay, I had these opportunities like with Darren and then with Justin. Why not? Why not try it? You know, it sounds like a, a, a good choice. Um, and I just went with the flow. And it's, it's been uh, very rewarding to me. And uh, so I'm sure something will happen in the near future or, you know, maybe not. But you have to you just have to uh, keep your keep your ears open to what's happening. And um, like a friend of mine from from the Willows, uh, her name's Deirdre Lyons. And uh, uh, she a couple of years ago, started to get into the VR world. And over the past, oh, I guess it was last, I guess last fall, we started talking. And she was in the headsets and all this type of stuff. And I started thinking about it. Um, and then about Thanksgiving, I had Thanksgiving dinner with her. And she says, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the production company I'm with, we're, we're developing a project that I think really would be good with, for you. And it's a, a one-person role, about an hour long, um, two characters, and uh, you're in. It's a live VR experience. And uh, so uh, on Cyber Monday, I got my headset, and um, I have been attempting to do the technology. <laughs> I'll tell you that it's very challenging. I was never a gamer. My my son was, but I was, I, you know. The, what was it, a Game Boy? That was difficult for me. So um, this, is, this is like um, chewing gum, walking backwards, doing a couple of somersaults while you're doing dialogue and you're supposed to be keeping going forward. So, but the thing was, um, I didn't participate. It, they had their world premiere at South by Southwest this past couple of weeks. And uh, I did not participate in those shows. I plan to in the future. But they won. They, we got notification yesterday that they won the audience award for XR experience. Oh, cool. And so that was, that was really, that's, 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 that's great for them. It really, it's, it's, they've worked so hard and the imagery is so beautiful and the words are so wonderful. And uh, it's about a, uh, it's, the concept is uh, death with dignity more than anything. And it's about an ancient alien who, uh, who's going on her final or his final journey. And it's, it's, uh, it's beautifully written. Like I said, the imagery is spectacular. It's called, I should say the title. It's uh, Gumball Dreams, and it's produced by Ferryman Collective and Coac Productions. So, so, that, so that is what I'm saying. Okay, here I do this switch. I'm starting to get into the VR. And some of my friends say, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I think that that, 
I don't know what your opinion of that type of thing is, but I think it really is the the uh, future of storytelling. I really think so because you can, you know, people from all around the world can can see a show and be a participating in it. And this is with three guests that have their own avatars, and they are there in the world with you. They aren't just observing; they're talking. You're, you know, and it's just like immersive theater. So. Um, Anyway, that you know, just keeping it new and fresh. That's all. <laughs> and trying to have fun in the meantime. That sounds pretty well. You you know more about uh, virtual reality than I do. I, yep. This was all new to me. I <laughs> didn't know any of that. So that's wild. Andrew says, uh, you eventually get forced into keeping up with new technology because if you do not, you will uh, get left behind. Jobs adapt, TV, etc. So you have to keep... Uh, Keep up. Yep. You know, I guess you snooze or you lose, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so I always need Melinda to tell us what's the next thing. That's oh, I don't know. That's, no, no, you have so far. So I have what the I call them my angels. People in my life guided me. You know, they may come into my life one day and then they may leave the next. Um, but you, like I said, you have to listen. You have to be aware of what's around you. You have to be present or you won't hear those angels. So, um, uh, you know, I just, you know, uh, I, I can't say that I'm in the right place at the right time because a lot of times I'm not. But, um, you know, I, I try to find my way, try to find my way. Um, what are some roles that you would like people to pursue that may, maybe they've, you think have gone under the radar? If there's, there's something, uh, you mean you things think, that yeah. I would like to do that people, well, people that you were in was, I was thinking, but that's also what, a good, what, that's what, also what, a good question. No, too. No, re, re, reiterate. I, um, I was thinking of something maybe that you've done you, yourself that you would like people to seek out that they've not seen yet. No, that everything, you know, it, I, I'm not a famous person at all. <laughs> um, I've uh, I, I consider myself a working actor. I'm not. I, I I've done independent films and theater, and um, you know I I'm proud of the things I've done. Uh, if we ever bring the Willows back, if people would be inclined to see that production, I think it's well worth it. Uh, at least from people I've spoken with, it's left, um, it's left its marks on, on the audience. They, they, uh, it stays with them because I think of the, 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 um, being personally involved that, because nowadays, um, you know, you have your phone, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you know, there's the young young people now are so disconnected. Hopefully, they will stop being that way. But um, there is uh, a, a want, a, a, a thirst for connection, and so. Um, but no, I you know, we don't we there. There's been some talk about it coming back, but it's nothing in the works. Of course, a lot of us in the production would love it for to come back. It's a wonderful experience. But um, uh, now, now talking about, you know, if I had a, 
uh, went into a candy store and uh, the various uh, individuals in this, I call it macabre genre, not necessarily horror, would be in there. Uh, if I, I, I have never been in a position to choose my products, choose my, my, have my choice. I've, you know, just read about it. And I was, you know, young people in this industry, they were taught in school that you had to make your own content or you're not going to survive. Well, I was in my time, it was either behind the camera or in front of it. One or the other, you can't, couldn't do either or at least that's what I was told. So I, I missed out. I really wish that I had learned production, learned you know, how to write. I, I do write, but not, I, I, um, I don't know. I just, I just don't think I'm a good writer. But, um, but if, you, if I had a candy store full of uh, creative people like Blum or Mr. Uh, Murphy or, uh, Shalman or um, uh, who else? Um, Abrams, Flanagan, Haunted House on that. That would be my candy store because they have taken the genre to me to a different, different um, level, I guess. Um, and they're usually right on the mark, and uh, that that would be my my dream come true. <laughs> So I just want to mention uh, Deidre Buchko uh, says uh-huh. Melinda's brilliant in Gumball Dreams. We're still working toward her international premiere, and Melinda will be there. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> she's she's my she she's the director and she's the writer of the the pro, the, the the production, and uh, she has been my she's been my mentor throughout this process, and she's been my cheerleader. <laughs> I've had, I I needed her too. (laughs) Now, where can people follow you to see what you are up to or if they would like to? Everything, all my socials under my name. I don't have any, you know, at hashtag, whatever, you know, Uh, Facebook, you know, Twitter, everything is Melinda Decay, you know, and uh, my, my uh, website is Melinda (laughs) Decay.com. So, no, it's real easy. It's easy to find. Yeah. 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 Decay is not really that hard of a, it's, it's, it's a, an unusual name. So if you put that name in it and it's spelled D E K A Y, mm-hmm. uh, my, <laughs> my, my husband had a hard time growing up that uh, he was tall and he was trim and they would always call him the decayed green bean. Oh, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> So uh, anyway, that's that's just a personal love there. But no, that's that's how you get in touch with me. Or probably if you looked me up and Googled me, you probably get my telephone number. So huh? yeah. <laughs> get a weird call later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been very fun to talk with you and meet you. It was lovely talking with time. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank mm-hmm. you for the opportunity. I do appreciate it. And, thank and good you luck. For- good luck. I know you've been All around right. for a long time, but... Uh, it seems like probably you're doing a good thing, but you wouldn't be Hope here. So, huh? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Trista. I appreciate it. Thanks, Trista, thank for setting this up. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. everyone, for watching. All right. Good night, everybody. You. We'll be back <laughs> next week. I'm going to wave awkwardly while I hit in. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>